0: He fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, that the hour might pass him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. And he came and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away. And prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he said a third time, and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Good Friday is a day in which people who trust in Christ have this ironic day in which they celebrate the death of a person. They celebrate the death of one man who came in history, the God-man himself, Jesus. The passage in which we just read today is a beautiful text that takes this moment that we share with tonight. And the text is this, Jesus having just had having communion, the first communion that he would share, and that is the day of the Passover in which the Israelites themselves were celebrating the Passover lamb, that Jesus institutes communion. And after that, Peter himself, one of Jesus' closest friends, says, I will never deny you. And then the hour that Jesus spoke about was coming near. And on the night before he was crucified, he took his closest friends, Peter, James, and John, and they went to the garden at Gethsemane, Now, Gethsemane in itself, by its very name, was a place where olives were grown, and they were also pressed, which is metaphorically uh, get perfect for for the occasion that Jesus was going through. There are certain things that we have in life that no one else can go through with us. There are certain pains in which we have that no one else can go through with us. There are certain experiences that we have as individuals, that even our closest friends and family, people who care deeply about us, they cannot go that far. Jesus invites his friends, Peter, James, and John, and he says, sit here for a while as I pray. And and, and it says, he expresses to them his feelings. He expresses to them his angst, his anguish, and he says, I'm sorrowful even to the point of death. What it says in another account in the Gospel of John is that Jesus literally began to sweat blood. You begin to ask, what was he sweating blood for? Was it because he was going to leave his friends? Was it because that he was going to experience the physical pain of the cross? Was it something else? Well, we know that it was something else, because when Jesus goes along to pray, he begins to pray to his Father. And he says, all things are possible for you. The Father in whom Jesus had been with for all eternity the Father in whom he had shared relationship and communion with for all eternity past, the Father, the Spirit, and the Son, the holy triune God. But Jesus knew it was for this purpose in which he left that circle of fellowship, that circle of communion, of holiness, to come into a world of chaotic brokenness. And Jesus knew at that moment the hour had come. And Jesus prays to his Father and he says, all things are possible for you if there's any other way Can can you take this cup away? He says if there's any other way, if there's a a plan B, if there's a plan C, if there's another plan, if there's any other way, and oftentimes this passage is known as the temptation of Christ because what you're able to see is Jesus' full deity and his full humanity at the same time. Being fully God, he's aware of that cup. He's aware that that cup in itself was a sign of God's wrath. Being God Himself, He knew exactly how much God hated sin. Being God Himself, He knew exactly how much God would move and act in justice and judgment. Being fully God, He was aware of every single person's sin of the entire world who would ever live. Being fully God, He knew it was the very reason of which He came. But being fully man, living in a fallen body, in a fallen world, because He was God, he knew what he would have to experience. He knew that what he would not only have to taste, but that he would have to drink. See, you and I, we don't understand the full weight of sin. We understand mistakes. We we understand when we don't do what we're supposed to do, but the weight of sin, we don't fully understand. We can even understand the forgiveness of sin, but we don't fully understand the weight of sin the way that God does, the way that the God man does. And so Jesus, it says, he prays this prayer and it went a little further to pray and he fell to the ground. He didn't fall to the ground because he didn't know how to walk. He fell to the ground because he knew the weight of sin. He knew the weight of this day. He knew exactly what he had to do the next day in order to accomplish salvation and redemption for his people. He knew that God himself was going to fully act in wrath. He knew the weight of hell. He knew the weight of justice. He knew the weight of judgment, God's holy hatred towards sin. And not just sin in general, but your sin. Everything you've done, everything that you will do, my sin, everything I've done, everything that I will do. He understands that our sin has broken his otherwise beautiful creation, and it has stopped the flourishing of it to a degree And the only way that it could be fully restored, the only way evil can be completely removed is if Jesus himself would drink the cup. So he prays, if there's another way, please. And then after that, he says some of the most beautiful words that the world could hear. And in an attempt where Jesus almost seems like he's going to say, I'm not going to go through with it. He says, not what I will, but what you will. He says, not what I'm feeling now in my humanity. Not that there could be another way. Not that there could be a plan B or a plan C. What we've always, we, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what we've always known we were to do before the foundation of this world, let it be. Meaning every single ounce of God's wrath, every single drop, let me taste it, let me drink it, let me inhale it, let me sip it, let me digest it for those in whom I love. Jesus comes back, and he finds his friend sleeping. He says, could you please pray a little bit more? And he goes back, and he finds them sleeping. And he says the same thing to the father. And he goes back, and he finds them sleeping. And then at this moment, he says, it isn't enough. My betrayer is here. The hour has come. His betrayer was one of his closest friends, Judas. Judas. What we have in this garden is not only Jesus bringing people close to him that would fall asleep at his darkest moment, but he has some of one of his closest friends who betrays him for money. The reason why this text is so fitting for a Good Friday is because we see Jesus completely alone. And Good Friday in itself is for us individually to reflect and contemplate ourselves alone. Not the sins of others. Not the sins of the people around us but our own sin. And how and only can our sins be atoned for? How and only can our sins be forgiven? How and only can we be made right before God? How and only can we have perfect union and relationship with God? How and only can we be invited into the community of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit that have unique fellowship for all eternity? How can we as sinners so separated be united as only through Jesus as being betrayed? And the rest of the story is told Jesus is captured, and the next morning, he goes to the cross. He's prepared for the cross. The word of God lets us know that he was like a, a sheep that is led to the shears. Is silent. Jesus did not speak a word, meaning he was speechless. When the, the people yelled out to him, crucify him, crucify him, Jesus was speechless, speechless. When he knew that he was gonna take on the penalty and the crime of something he never committed, the punishment of a crime that he never did, he was speechless. Because Jesus knew that there had to be a sacrifice and he was the only one to provide the sacrifice. That every single thing that the Bible had spoke of, of sacrifices, could never accomplish redemption. That, That when God himself had given people to give up goats, and animals to be slaughtered they were just but a sign of the reality that would come when the people on the day before jesus crucifixion on this day were celebrating Passover, and they were remembering the day in which God had redeemed the Israelites out of captivity of the Egyptians, and how every single person took the sacrificial lamb and slaughtered that lamb and placed the door on the, the blood on the door of their house, so the angel of death would pass over them as they As they celebrated that, Jesus himself was preparing to be the ultimate sacrificial lamb. As Abraham took his son to the mountain and raised the dagger to bring him down, and God said, stop, and he provided a sacrifice of a ram. All throughout scripture, God had provided a sacrifice. God had provided a sacrifice, and finally, God himself was going to raise the dagger on his own son, and he was going to bring it down in order that he would never have to do that for us. On the cross, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Many people would say what we have now is the unbroken circle. That for the first time in history, for the first time in all eternity, that the Father had to turn away because he had to place upon the Son the sin of the world, our sin. Not just sin in general, but sin in particular. And that his divine wrath, his holiness and his justice was going to be executed solely upon Jesus. That when he drank the cup of wrath, that it was, it was the divine lethal injection on our behalf. Now, what, what we know is that as Jesus is crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is what we know for sure. Because of the sacrifice of Christ, because of his atoning death, Because he he truly is a selfless, sacrificial lamb for us that we never, in our darkest moments, in the chaos of this world, never have to pray a prayer of saying, God, why are you forsaking me? Because we know on the cross, because Jesus was forsaken, on the cross, because Jesus died, that God himself will never forsake us. Because the lamb was speechless. He did not say a word. Though the thorns were on his head and the nails were in his hand and on his feet, he never said a word. But we can have comfort that though he was speechless, it doesn't mean that he wasn't thoughtless. So the question that comes is what was he thinking of? Some may say he was thinking of being back with the Father. Sure, that would be a a good guess. Some could say he was happy to leave earth and go to heaven. That could be a good guess. But you know what? He already had the Father, and he never had to come to earth what was he thinking we can have by implication to trust and know because Jesus came because he loved us but on the cross he was thinking every name and every person every child, every man, every woman who would ever trust in him because Isaiah 53 lets us know it is through his sacrifice that the many, the many is every single person who would trust in Christ that the many would be made righteous. So as Jesus is speechless, the only thing that he could be thinking of is not only going back to the father which he already had, not just leaving earth which he never had to come to but coming to earth to redeem and to gather into his family those who were lost and that was us. Amen? Good Friday is good Because Jesus died for the sin of the world.